welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by community pastor Ian Simpkins as we continue our series, Moving Mountains. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Good morning, community. How are you feeling this morning? You survived Snotorious B.I.G. You made it. Way to go. Give yourself a hand. Um, My name is Ian, and uh, I'm just thrilled to be here this morning. As Patrick mentioned, this is a series on prayer, so uh, it seems appropriate to just begin with prayer. So would you just close your eyes? I'm just going to take a couple seconds of silence. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive right in. God, thank you that you are here in our midst right now, that we don't have to search to find you in a mountaintop or an experience, but that you are in our midst this very moment. God, open our eyes to the ways that you're moving and working and redeeming and restoring right in our very presence, God. Give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, and the courage to live differently as a result, and I pray that this time together would honor you, God. I pray all this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, how many of you have misheard song lyrics at some point in your life? Anyone? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's probably all of us. I do it constantly. I probably get it wrong more often than I get it right. I don't have great ears. A lot of drumming without earplugs. But I thought it'd be fun to, uh, to do some research and find the most commonly misheard song lyrics and share them with you. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, First up is CCR. Any CCR fans in the house? Okay, those not hollering are wrong. CCR is the best. So we're going to play a clip of a CCR song. Sing along if you know it. Very enthusiastic. Okay, so, so full confession, you're in church, you can't lie. H- how many of you just heard this? Anybody? You're thinking, what a helpful song. There's a bathroom on the right. Thank you, CCR. Um, how, about, how about this one from the great Billy Joel? Sing along if you know it. You can fist, you can fist bump. It's okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Just me. Uh, how many of you heard this just then? We didn't start the fire. It was always burning. Said the worst attorney. Poor attorney. He was just trying to help, right? I just love his face. Like, I don't know. I didn't. Okay, but maybe the most commonly misheard song lyric comes from a band called the Monkees. Y'all heard of the Monkees? Yeah, they're like a less talented Beatles. Um, They wrote, it's true. You know it's true. Uh, They wrote a love song that has a bit of a, a curious twist to it. Sing along if you know it. Then I saw her face. Anyone? Like, worst blind date ever, right? Then I saw her face. Now I'm going to leave her. (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) So it's one thing, right, to, like, mishear song lyrics, but it's, it's a different thing entirely to mishear God, isn't it? Has anyone here in your life ever felt like you thought you heard from God only later to really doubt that you heard him clearly? 
I, I know that I have. Honestly, my, my first year of full-time vocational ministry was brutal. Our church went through some of the worst turmoil I've ever heard of any church going through. I was young, right out of college, a year into this job, and I began to wholeheartedly think, God, did I mishear you? Was this call to ministry thing something that I misheard entirely? Anyone, anyone tracking with me? You, you thought that you heard God, and then things didn't turn out the way that you thought they would, and you began to doubt that you heard him clearly. And, and my guess is that for as many of us who maybe felt like we misheard God, there's probably just as many who felt like, I've never heard from God at all. I've never even felt like I've possibly maybe heard from God. And today I wanna talk about what it actually means to hear from God, because I believe that he's speaking. I don't think the question is, is God speaking? I think the question is, am I listening? The question isn't, is God speaking? The question is, am I listening? In the NIV, actually, uh, the New Testament is filled with over 300 instances where it says, the Lord says. The Lord says. I believe that God is speaking and we need to learn how to listen. Like take this room, for example. Do you know that there's like hundreds of radio signals going on in this room right this very moment? And unless your braces are like really finely tuned, you probably can't hear them at this moment because you don't have the right instrument. You're not tuned in to what's happening in the room. And I think our relationship with God can be a lot like that. I believe that he is always speaking, always moving. And what we need to do is learn to pay attention to what he's doing in our midst. There's one story in particular in the Old Testament that I think illustrates this idea of how to hear God really, really well. It's the story of Samuel. Now, the context for Samuel is that uh, his mother was absolutely uh, heartbroken that she wasn't able to bear a child. So she goes to the temple and just weeps and sobs and she pleads with God and she says, if you were to give me a son, I will give him back to you. And God hears that prayer. He honors her prayer, gives her Samuel, and she dedicates Samuel to work in the temple, to the service of of the temple. So in 1 Samuel 3, where we pick up the story, uh, young Sammy is about 12 years old. Keep that in mind. He's, he's a preteen. He's probably a little zit-faced and awkward, like we all were. He's serving under the aging priest, Eli. In 1 Samuel 3, 1, this is what we read. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now, that's not accidental that the author would include that. It wants you to know that in those days, uh, people weren't hearing God all that often. Hearing from God, seeing him at work was actually quite a rare occurrence. Has anyone felt like you've been in a season either now or in the past where God seemed silent? He seemed distant. That is the story that we enter here. A general sense of God, where are you? What are you doing? Do you even see us? Now, I think this is a, a really important component of the story because Samuel hasn't heard from God yet. We'll, we'll get there, but he hasn't heard from God at all yet, and yet he continues to faithfully serve in the temple, which I think is a really important lesson for us this morning. I don't know about you, but sometimes... I'm so caught up in and preoccupied by what the next thing is 
like the next project, the next hill to take, the next mountain to climb, that I so often miss what God is doing right here in the midst of now. Anyone with me? Samuel hasn't heard from God yet at all, but he does know that he's to be faithful in the temple here and now. Here's my, here's my guess for a lot of us. I think that a lot of us, we have a revelation surplus and an obedience deficit. A revelation surplus and an obedience deficit. What I mean by that is I, I like new as much as anybody. I'm so often, I think God speaks something new to me, show me something new. And I feel like more often than not, God says back to me, are you being faithful with what I've already shown you? Are you being diligent in the context that I've already placed you in? You may be longing to hear from God, and I I think that is a good longing. But I gotta ask, are, are we being faithful and obedient in the here and now? We may not have all the answers, neither did Samuel. But are we faithful and diligent here and now in joining God in whatever way that we can in helping people find their way back to him? So the story continues. It says, one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, that's also significant. Remember last verse, this was an era of time where there was not a lot of visions from the Lord. The priest is having sight problems, vision problems. That's really important. He was lying down in his usual place. Now, I, I would argue that's maybe not a great translation. Probably a better translation would be his own place. So, so Eli's off in his own place, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. So, so, so this is a really intentional juxtaposition. The priest, who is meant to sort of be this uh, conduit between God and the people, where's he at? He's got, right, he's home. He's, he's off at his own place. But Samuel, the boy, the 12-year-old boy, where, where is he at? He, he's in the temple. He's in the house of the Lord. In fact, he was right outside of what was called the Holy of Holies, which was separated by a sheet. Inside was the Ark of the Covenant where they believed the, the presence of God resided. And only one person was allowed to go in there, the high priest, once a year, and that was it. But Samuel is right outside that. What, what does that say about the priest being off in his own place, but, but Samuel lying right there in the house of the Lord? I think this is another really important detail of the story. It, it's kind of as if Samuel was saying, God, if you're going to do something, I want to be as close to you as I possibly can when you do. God, if, if you're going to move, you're going to have to step over me to do it. And I got to ask, do we have that kind of hunger today? That kind of thirst that God, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know where you're going. I don't even know what you're leading me to do, but I, I want to lead in so much that you got to step over me to do whatever it is that you're going to do. Samuel hadn't heard from God, and yet his posture shows himself to be one who wants to hear from God. I, I would say that anywhere but close to God is too far away. Anywhere but too close to God is anywhere but close to God is too far away. Samuel puts himself in a position to hear from God. He he gets close. Like for example, would, would the two of you just start just start talking to each other? Would you just start sharing a story or whatever and just keep talking? Go ahead, just keep talking. Just to each other. Yeah, that's feels very natural and right. No, keep going, just keep talking. I can I kind of hear they're talking. There's please, yeah, please continue. That's uh, something about a... Uh, Right, oh, a drug bust or a, no, it's a, no, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. It's a, okay, anything? 
Like, okay, all right. Here's the thing. Like, from here, I could, like, tell that they were talking, um, but I couldn't actually understand what you were saying. And, and in order to actually hear what they were saying, what did I have to do? I had to get in close. I had to lean in to hear what I was saying. And I think our relationship with God is very similar. Uh, I have to make a confession to you guys, and I've probably done this to many of you already, and you're, you're all gonna give me a hard time for this afterwards. But um, if, if, I, if I have to say what more than twice in a conversation, I'll just laugh and agree and walk away. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know this move where someone says, look, and I'm like, huh? I'm like, I'm like, huh? If they say it again, I just go, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times they've been asking very specific questions like, what's your birthday? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, why? Why is that? Mostly because I'm embarrassed that I have terrible hearing, but I'm, I'm embarrassed to lean in any closer. I'm, I'm embarrassed to, to position myself in a way that I can actually hear what they're saying. And I, I want to invite all of us this morning to do exactly that with our relationship with God, to, to lean in close to what he's saying. So the story continues in verse 4. It says, Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran, not walked. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli, understandably confused, was like, Ah, I, I didn't call you, bro. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. This happens three times uh, before Eli realizes what happens. And here's what Eli says in verse 9. So Eli directed Samuel, Okay, go back and lie down. If the voice calls again, say these words, speak, for your servant is listening. And Samuel returned to his bed. Did you catch what just happened there? Here's, here's the scene, okay? So e- Eli is like lying in his bed, right? He just... So young Sammy runs in a bunch of times. He's like, I'm here. And Eli's like, what do you, I didn't, go, I didn't, that wasn't me. Takes him three times to realize what happens. He's like, wait, hold up. You said the voice called you three times? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, I think that might be God, actually. Okay, here's what you do. Lay back down, uh, say these words if he calls again, and uh, you'll be fine. Okay, bye. <laughs> right? How ridiculous is that? Eli's aware that, that the God of the universe is speaking to Samuel, and he's like, all right, yeah, go say these words, and uh, all will be right. Eli can't even be bothered to leave the place that he's at to go experience what Samuel is experiencing. Is that true of any of us this morning? Right? We talk about, man, God, God, I want you to do stuff in my life. I want you to speak to me. But as long as it doesn't really inconvenience me at all, I'll, I'll be in. Here's what happened in verse 10. So the Lord came and stood there. Oh, man. What must that have been like? God stood there calling as the other time Samuel was Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Speak for your servant is listening. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, it's great for Samuel that he got like an audible voice. But a lot of us know that God doesn't always speak. In fact, I think he rarely speaks in an audible voice. But I think there are a lot of other ways that God speaks to us. And I want to highlight a few of them, and hopefully these will be helpful. Uh, the first, I believe that God speaks through new thoughts. New thoughts. 
That's thinking differently about a, a person or a situation, maybe something that's really kind of wrecked your heart for a while. God, I believe, will uh, give us new thoughts about a person or a situation or an idea that brings healing and grace and truth. I believe he also moves through prompts to act. Prompts to act. And it could be anything. It could be to go and talk to that stranger like you feel like you're supposed to or to, to pay for the car behind you in the drive through or to call up that old friend. For some reason, like an old friend from college just comes to mind. I don't think that's an accident. I think that's one of the ways that God speaks to us, that he leads us through prompts to act. And the third is this, uh, unprompted confirmations. I believe sometimes God will bring people into your life that will confirm something that you've wrestled with that you've not told anybody, or at least not them. Anyone ever had that happen before? I won't lie, it's kind of spooky. <laughs> when someone says, hey, you don't know me, or hey, we haven't talked about this, but I really feel like God's saying this. God will often speak through other people through unprompted confirmations. He also speaks through his word, through his people, through his church. My point is this. I believe that God is speaking to us all the time, but are we listening? Because if we're really honest, I think a lot of us, if not most of us, find it kind of difficult to actually hear God. How do we actually do that? So I want to suggest three postures that I think might be helpful to... uh, to, to better attune our ears like that radio to, to what God is saying. The first is a posture of relationship. Posture of relationship. I think a lot of times we, we, we kind of pray for an answer, don't we? I certainly do. Like, God, would you please do this thing? But throughout the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, it tells us first and foremost that the posture of prayer needs to be in relationship with God. To pursue intimacy with God first, not just what he can do for us. He's not a cosmic genie in the sky, but to to pursue closeness with him should be paramount. There's a a great Christian scholar named Dallas Willard. He put it this way. He says, while it's important to hear from God, it's it's not insignificant, it's important. That shouldn't be your ultimate goal. Instead, make your main goal to become a spiritually mature person in close relationship with God. And here's why. He said, that's the only way you'll clearly and correctly hear what God has to say to you. Probably the most common question I get as a pastor is, how do I know God's will for my life? If you want to clearly and correctly hear from God, start with a posture of relationship. God, I want to grow in closeness to you, even if this mountain doesn't move the way that I thought it would, even if I never get an answer. Second, we need to have a posture of expectation. Posture of expectation. Do we actually expect to hear from God? Like, I'll be honest, I, I spent a lot of years sitting in chairs like this, like happy to go to church, but mostly just so I could check a box, right? I, I wasn't coming with any expectancy that the God of the universe was actually gonna speak to me. What would it look like if we began to come with an expectant heart, not just here, but every day of our life? Dallas Willard again puts it this way. He says, perhaps we don't hear from uh, the voice of God because we don't expect to hear it. Perhaps we don't expect it because we know that we fully intend to run our lives on our own and never seriously considered anything else. The voice of God would therefore be an unwelcome intrusion into our plans. That'll preach, huh? I think sometimes, at least, again, for me, I run from silence, I run from stillness because I'm afraid of what I'm actually gonna hear. There's an author named uh, Priscilla Shire. She puts it this way. 
Having your spiritual radar up in constant anticipation of his presence, even in the midst of the joyful chaos and regular rhythms of your everyday living, is paramount in hearing God. Because sometimes the place and manner you find him is the least spectacular you'd expect. I think a lot of us go from conference to conference to retreat to spiritual high to mountaintop, just longing for that next moment, that next time away. And I can't help but wonder, is God speaking to us in the here and now? On our commute to work, while we're doing the dishes, while we're putting the kids to bed, whatever it is, is it possible that God wants to speak to us? Yes, in the mountaintops, but also in the mundane. Yes, in the breathtaking, but also just in taking a breath. What, what would it look like if we became more aware, more expected that God, right here and now, in the middle of an ordinary day, I believe you want to speak to me. You want to lead me to something beyond myself. And the third is a posture of submission. I mean, think back to Samuel, right? His posture is, speak, your servant is listening. Your servant. As if to say, okay, I hear you. Whatever you have for me, I'm in. Whatever that looks like, I'm in. Now this submitting thing, we're not great at, are we? I'm not, certainly not. But I think we need to remember that we're not submitting to a system or a bully. We're submitting to a heavenly father who loves us with an unthinkable love, a love without brim or bottom. That's, that's who we're submitting to. One of the ways that we do that, we're actually in the midst of a uh, 21 day prayer and fasting challenge and if you weren't here last week, I'd invite you to join us with that. You can find a bunch of information on the website. But that, that's our way of submitting ourselves before God, saying, what, whatever it is you have for me, we want to be a part of it. It's like getting as close to him as we can. It's leaning in and saying, God, even if you whisper, I want to hear it. But I want to I close talking about the, the elephant in the room. Because I, th- I think the elephant in the room is this. Okay, so what do I do when the mountains don't move? Right? What do I do when I pray with all my heart and things don't change? The cancer's still there. My marriage still fell apart. My kids still won't talk to me. And I, I wish with all my heart that I had something I could say that would take all that pain and go away. All I can say is that I don't know. I don't know why God doesn't move some mountains, but I can tell you this. It can't be because he doesn't love us. It can't be. All we have to do is look at the cross that God sent his son. I don't have the answers. I have no sanctimonies or platitudes to offer. I I just don't know. But what I do know is that it can't be because God doesn't love us. In preparation for this talk uh, a few weeks ago, Amy Sisniewski from our Plainfield campus actually approached our teaching team and said, uh, you know, I really feel that God is leading me, nudging me to share my story. I think it's time to share my story. So here's Amy. My name is Amy Sisniewski, and my husband John and I, with our three teenage boys, have been attending community for 22 years. We found our way back to God through our small group led by John and Lisa Ferguson years ago and uh, took on different leadership roles at church and now find ourselves on staff at Community in Plainfield. I grew up on a farm uh, in Iowa and with three brothers and we were very close growing up. My younger brother Brent stayed in Iowa City, Iowa and got married and I uh, went on to have three kids. About five years ago, 
uh, he was on his way to uh, play golf over his lunch hour and um, he became distracted, we think, became distracted by looking for his wallet in the car and swerved over and hit a semi uh, head on and was killed instantly. Six months after my brother Brent died, my sister-in-law Susan actually um, passed away from a rare aggressive form of cancer. At that time, Barry uh, called me after Susan died and just to tell me, and then I offered to come stay with him. So one answer to prayer was Katie and Bill Purdy, some really good friends of ours, gave me a plane ticket so that I could go be with Barry, um, which was a definite blessing. And Katie and I prayed a lot that week prior to going to see my brother Barry, just that I would be able to comfort him and help him to grow closer to God and not farther away in this tough time. I really felt like I was answering those prayers with just the amazing things he was telling me about how he had returned to church, how he had bought Susan a Bible upon her request and she was able to read scripture. The next day, I got a call from his pastor letting me know that Barry had taken his own life. Um, I was completely blindsided. I was shocked. I knew that I had to tell my family, the rest of my family in person. It was very, very difficult because obviously I've been praying for Barry um, for a long time and thinking that God was going to do amazing things in his life and this was the answer I got. It was like I was taking responsibility for Barry's death because I didn't pray hard enough, I didn't do enough. I just really started to question God again and I had prayed these mountain moving prayers and why didn't he answer them? He's answered my prayers before things of a lot less importance and I was grateful for that but why didn't he answer these? For my brother Brent, you know, for his family, for my sister-in-law Susan, why didn't he heal her of this cancer? Why did my brother Barry take his own life? It was around that time that a new attender approached me after service. Her name was Arden and she wanted to get together for coffee to talk about a book that she was writing called Journaling Your Way to Jesus. As she was sharing uh, her theme for the book, this journaling, I realized that this journaling was for me and it was for my healing process. God completely transformed my way, my view of my time with my brother uh, in Minneapolis there. And uh, from the guilt and shame and regret and even responsibility that I felt, it turned into one of gratitude. It was still hard though. It's, it's not like it changed anything. It, you know, my brother was still gone. So that was the hard part to still deal with, and I'm still dealing with it today. I mean, every day I miss my brothers and Susan. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think of them, but I do uh, know that God is faithful and is trustworthy, and God showed me why he wanted me to be there with him, and that indeed some of that was an answer to my prayers. I don't know why some mountains don't move. I mean, I have mountains in my life that I've, I've prayed for years that haven't moved. I don't know why they haven't, but I know that it can't be because Jesus doesn't love us. Who came himself to die and rise again so that we could have peace with him and peace with others so that we could find our way back to him. In fact, before Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, we find him praying as well. Here's what he says. He says, Father, if you're willing, 
take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Do you know what that is? That's a mountain moving prayer. God, if there was any other way, please move this mountain. But it led him to the cross. His great love for us led him to the cross so that we could live and not just survive, but have life to the full, life abundantly. And do you know what he gave us? Not only himself, but one another. We journey together in the midst of pain and sorrow and tragedy and even victory and joy and confidence together, locked arms, eyes to eyes, saying we're not alone. You're not alone. The God of the universe wants to speak to each of us. Are we listening? Because I I would say this, that one word from God is greater than a thousand words from anyone else. Let's pray. God, thank you that you, you love us with that kind of love, that you pursue us, that you're patient with us. God, and whether we feel like we're on the top of the mountain or we're staring it down from the bottom wondering if this thing's ever gonna move, God, would you speak to us? Would you give us the courage to be still, to be quiet? God, move in our lives in a way that only you can. We love you. We thank you. And we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.